Welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 557. Do the right thing. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. I'll never worry again about having a dead battery with my NOCO Genius Boost Jump Starter. This compact tool fits in my glove box and features rechargeable lithium battery technology that'll jumpstart a dead battery in my car, boat, truck, or RV. The Genius Boost features built-in spark-proof technology and reverse polarity protection to safely jumpstart any of my vehicles. The compact, ergonomically designed clamps are built from solid copper for maximum conductivity. There's a built-in ultrabite dual LED flashlight with seven modes, including an SOS and emergency strobe. I use my Genius Boost Jump Starter to charge my phone, tablet, and laptop while I'm on the road or if the power goes out in my home. The unit itself is easily rechargeable in my vehicle. The Genius Boost from NOCO is the ultimate emergency tool that's safe and easy to use. Quality design, state-of-the-art technology from NOCO, the battery car source since 1914. I've got one in each of my vehicles. Get yours at GeniusChargers.com. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. Today, I am so excited and revved up to introduce my very special guest, Chip Robinson. Chip, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? I sure am. It's hot in Georgia, and it's just like being inside a race car. (laughs) Okay. Awesome. Great to have you here. I'll try to make it a little comfortable. We'll keep the speed up so the air keeps flowing in, all right? Sounds good. All right. Chip Robinson is the race director for Formula Race Promotions, and he's the race director for SCCA Pro United States F4 Championship that's powered by Honda. He's competed four times in the 24-hour Le Mans, and his first time there, he won the IMSA class. Chip won the 24 hours of Daytona in a Porsche 962, the 12 hours of Sebring in a Nissan GTP race car. He's made five kart starts, and he's a Camel GT Series champion. His career behind the wheel has earned him 19 wins, 16 poles, along with 52 podium finishes. Oh my gosh, you've been one busy guy. And Chip was invited to the International Race of Champions back in 1988 at Riverside Raceway. Chip, I've told our listeners just a tiny bit about your career, what you've been doing, what you're doing now. Would you take a moment and share a little bit more about your racing career and, of course, your passion for automobiles? Sure, glad to. Nice to be on the show, Mark. Thanks. You know, I was kind of a gearhead growing up. I always liked cars, and I went to my first race. I think it was at Watkins Glen, and it was a Can-Am. And, you know, uh, I saw, I think it was probably around 65 or 66. I don't really remember exactly what year it was, but I certainly remember, uh, you know, the McLarens there. And, and I also remember the 2.5 Trans Am was there with John Morton driving, which later on in my life I would have, of course, come across John on the racetrack numerous times, and, and we became friends. Cool. From there, I, I fell in love with racing, and I started as a mechanic, actually, and worked on cars. I've always had a, a huge respect for the guys who were kind of preparing these cars and fabricating them and building them, mm-hmm. and that's always been a really a real uh, passion of mine. And from there, I, I worked on race teams for a few years, and then I finally went to a driving school and got started running running myself and did you know a driving school series and just sort of started moving up through the ranks. You raced for a long time. How many years were you behind the wheel of race cars? 
Well, I think uh, the first I must have been uh, not as long as some, but I didn't get behind the wheel till I was 24 years old, which is completely different now. You know, if you're 24 and you've never driven, you're, you're kind of already over the hill. <laughs> but the, the first one I drove, I drove when I went to sc- the driving school when I was 24. And uh, so I drove for about 18 years, I suppose, wow. something like that. Long time. Uh, you've been everywhere, man, as the old Johnny Cash song says. So uh, we'll learn a little bit more about that and, of course, what you're doing today. But first, as we continue on your journey, I always like to start by asking my guests for a success quote or a mantra. It's a really nice way to get the inspirational tires turning here on Cars, yeah? I know you love to drive, so Chip, take the wheel. One of the quotes that really sort of rings true for me is do the right thing. And, and you know, that sometimes in, in sport and in business and in life, you know, that can be a hard thing to figure out what the right thing to do is. There's a lot of competing influences and, sure. you know, you really have to sort of think about it. It's not necessarily always what's best for you personally, but that's something I've always tried to live with both in my personal career and, and, and on the track. So I'd have to say that was probably a pretty big foundation for my uh my life, really. Very nice foundation to have, for sure. So many people could learn from that simple, simple phrase, do the right thing. It's it's so easy, but sometimes it's so hard. That's for it, sure. Exactly. <laughs> it's not always easy. No, it's not. Well, let's go back in time a little bit. You talked about going to that race back in the mid-60s and seeing some of those fantastic cars from that era. Oh my gosh, think about Can-Am back then. It's incredible. But Would you share a story with us that instigated your passion for racing? Is there a pivotal moment in your life when you really said to yourself, okay, I'm going to be a race car driver? Well, I, you know, I grew up in New Jersey and I was always liked cars and vehicles. And actually, I didn't start out with cars. I started out more with tractors and trucks. And I was, (laughs) believe it or not, and I wanted to go off road racing in the beginning because I had some Jeeps and we were kind of in the farm area of New Jersey. So that's what people had. And, and I just kind of went, God, you know, off-road racing would be so cool. And there was, I think the Bill Strope, uh, Ford Broncos were doing, uh, all the off-road stuff back oh, then, yeah. Baja and everything. Yeah, and I yeah. just, you know, it's just something I wanted to do. And as I got a little bit, I was probably 13 then, as I got a little bit older, I, uh, sort of started gravitating more to car cars especially as friends of mine were buying spitfires or you know old car old sports cars and whatever sure and then really what happened was i got a job working at a bmw dealership in new jersey who also was racing a bmw in imps at the time this would have been in the early 70s oh okay and it was uh you know an old german guy by the name of hans zerice owned the dealership and he had he had come out of the porsche factory Building Carrera four motors with uh, Vasek Pollock. Oh my gosh! Yeah, no. Oh they, yeah. I think they worked on the line together. Wow. And so that was my first real job experience with cars. Before that, I was doing it all on my own, and I didn't had a, didn't have a clue what I was doing. So I got some formal training and some guidance from other people, and doing street cars during the day, and we'd work on the race car at night. My passion, I just I just loved it. It was uh, you know we were going to the Daytona twenty four hour with this car for I think we spent four straight days at the dealership and I'd sleep in the showroom at night when I got tired and I'd get back up and go work on the car. Wow. The same stories you get from a lot of people who who really have a passion for for racing and motorsports. Well, early 70s, were those 2002s? Yep. That's where I really started. And of course, I always wanted to drive, but eventually I realized no, 
I was going to have to go to a driving school or find another way to drive because teams weren't going to let the mechanics drive. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Get out of the car, kid. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or as I'd like to say, I was such a bad mechanic, I had to become a driver. Oh, well, you know, that's one way to do it, right? <laughs> yeah. It's a unique approach, but uh, it sounds like it worked pretty well for you. Yeah. Well, Chip, I would love to go down a road here and have you share a huge challenge or even a great failure that you faced along the way in your career. My goodness, you picked in your early career racing, which is, oh my gosh, talk about fraught with ups and downs and you're only as good as your last race and all those cliches. But could you tell us about that experience? Take us to that painful point in your life. But more importantly, how did you overcome it? How did you move forward? And even more important than that, what did it teach you? You know, it, that, that's a good question. Um, I was pretty fortunate in all of my racing career. Very early on, I happened to get some people, local people who were supporting me, to even in Formula Ford, and they stayed with me for a few years uh, and got me into Super V, and they ran me in Super V. But at the end of my Super V tenure, you know, I did two seasons of that. You know, that was the that was the end of that support, and you know, they had been great supporting me all that time. But the next step was just too big financially to, to, for them to be involved. And really, I was kind of just, I thought I was done, to be honest with you. Yeah. Because I didn't really, you know, I'd been cruising the pits or the paddock of various events. And I just, I didn't see an opportunity anywhere. So I was really lucky. There's a <laughs> Bob Tullius from Group 44, I guess, had been watching what I'd been doing in Super V. And, uh, I got a call from him. I had never met the man, you know, never spoken to him. And I got a call from him one day after the last Super V race. Actually, it was before the last race. Uh, it was a little bit before that. And mm -hmm. he said, you know, I want you to come down and talk to me about driving my cars. And of course, you know, I, I, my whole career had been to get to Indy cars, but when you, you know, when you get a phone call like that, right. you, you can't. <laughs> you know, you jump, to be honest with you. Well, especially and, when uh, you're at the position you were in where you thought, well, this is the end. And, yeah. And a door yeah. opens up. You know, and Ari, I was, you know, Ari Leindyke was doing Super V with me at that time, and he was going to go ahead with Pravimi Veal into IndyCar. And, mm -hmm. you know, Ludwig Heimrath was there, and he was going to go, uh, I think, IndyCar also. And so I was pretty despondent. And, and it wasn't, uh, you know, I was, like I said, I was lucky. It wasn't necessarily anything I had specifically done, you know, or to overcome it. It just, I was in the right place at the right time. They were looking for a young guy that they didn't have to pay a lot of money to, you know. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, and, uh, uh, you know, I had the, uh, you know, what Bob was looking for, which is one of the things that's interesting is that Bob was looking for different things than maybe some other t owners were looking for mm, yeah. in a driver. And I just, I was lucky enough I fit the bill. So, you know, I got the opportunity and, and, uh, you know, went on from there. Well, you never know when those doors are open. You mentioned Ari Leindyke. He's been a guest on my show, as was his son. And I believe it was Ari was telling me he was at a point once in his career where he was in a hotel. He'd raced the race. He had nothing else in the future. And he thought, this is it. And a guy walked up to him in the lobby and said, hey, I'm looking for someone to drive. I want to build a team. Are you interested? So he yeah. was on his way to the airport to fly back to Europe to go, I guess my career is over. And you just never know. So that old saying in racing, never, ever give up. Yeah, you just, you don't know. And things just turn on a dime like that. You right. know, it, it, and it's, it's not like anything else that I know about. You know, it's, it's, <laughs> no. uh, it, it's funny that way. Yeah, it is. Well, let's shift gears here and go to the other end of the spectrum. I'd love for you to share what I call a career aha moment. It's a time when you know, the headlights come on and kind of illuminate your way for a new direction, a new path you had. Tell us how you took that aha moment and turned it into a success. 
Well, for me, there's one moment that sticks out clearer than any other in my career, and it was very, very early. And I don't even know if I had a career at that point. I went to a driving school. I went to the Jim Russell Driving School up in Canada at Mont Tremblant. Oh, cool. And at that time, they had a uh, – the prize was if you were the best graduate for the year – the prize was you got to go to England with all the guys who were already doing their race series. Hmm. So they were differentiating between people who had done their race series and people who had just done the school. Mm-hmm. So I, uh, I, I did the three day school and, and, you know, I didn't get picked to come back for the runoff of all the best graduates, but you could pay and come back. And I said, you know, I can do this. And I, I just, I just felt I could do a little bit better job. So I paid to come back for the big runoff to see who got to go to England and I won it. And, uh, at that point, I just, I just kind of went, I can do this because back then there was a, you know, there's probably, you know, 80 or a hundred drivers there going through this thing. I mean, it was a lot of people and it was, uh, it was a big boost to my confidence and kind of an affirmation that, Hey, maybe, maybe I, maybe Maybe. I can, you know, (laughs) I can do this. this. (laughs) Yeah. 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 It was very early on when I sort of got that one. And, and ever since then, it's, it's more hard work and, determination and, you know, those kind of things, which enabled me to move forward. Great story. That was awesome. Well, let's talk about your very first special car or more, more importantly, race car. That first car you got into, you went, ah, I've made it. Here I am. And maybe share a memory you have with that particular vehicle. Well, that's, that's, uh, that's an interesting question. You know, I, I think a lot of people have passion about particular cars where, I'm not sure that I have that same level of passion for any particular car. I mean, I love race cars. I think one of the, and I love racing. It, it's not just about the car. It's about, it's about the event. It's about the competition. And one of the things that, that when you ask that question makes it very difficult to answer is that every year, I mean, you know, I drove for Jag for war for two years. And then of course I get into the Porsche 962 with Holbert and, and that car's better. Yeah. And then two years later, I get into a Nissan, and that car's better, of course, because the development, is, you know, they, they improve every single year. Sure. So if, if you know, it's a difficult question to answer because you can't really compare apples to apples. Well, you that's know, why I always say first. So yeah. maybe we back up a little bit, put it in reverse and say, okay, the first time you set in a car and you really felt like, oh, wow, I'm here. I made it. Well, I certainly that had to be Jaguar. You know, certainly that was the the level when I got hired by Group 44 and we went and did our first, you know, 24-hour test was my first drive uh, before the 24-hour race. We did an actual 24-hour test. You know, when you come from a small, small team where there was – that I ran myself with uh, two mechanics in Super V and, you know, you walk up to a big car with a big operation and, and uh, have that opportunity was, was certainly the first time I felt this is – now I'm, I'm finally getting somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Pretty special, those big teams with a lot of support around you. And Yeah, it really is. And, and I, a lot of people know the history of Group 44. Maybe some of the younger people don't. But I remember being uh, in school, at school age, in high school. You know, probably I was probably 14 or something like that, a freshman in school, in high school. And uh, I remember going over to a friend's house, and there was a, a Group 44 picture 
with a Quaker State ad in the magazine, and he had it taped up on his wall. And I went, ah, man, a race car. That's so cool. You know, that's yeah. really neat. Oh, yeah. And 20 years later, there I am driving for Group 44. And I, and I, and I remember that picture to today, you know, the two, TR3. It was, uh, it was, uh, you know, it was, it was pretty neat. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Pretty darn special. One of those surreal yeah. moments you pinch yourself and say, how did I get here? And Bob Tullius, you know, was always, uh, he's a little bit of a controversial guy. You know, some people, don't get along with him very well, but I always have the utmost respect for him. He gave me an opportunity that was fantastic, and he supported me 100%. There was never any doubt in my mind that he was 100% behind me. I don't know if he was. Yeah. <laughs> I think he was, but there was never a doubt in my mind that, that he, he, he was 100% behind me and wanted me to do the best I could do. And, uh, nice. you know, and that's not always easy in racing because race car drivers make mistakes, but he was, he was always just so supportive. And I, I have the utmost respect for him and, and for giving me my, my first opportunity, really. Very nice. Nice. That's awesome. Well, let's have a little bit of fun here. I'd love for you to talk about the most memorable race. And I know this is probably like asking the question about the most memorable car, the first car, but take us back to a race that really had a incredible meaning to you take us through some adrenaline pumping experiences that happened in that race and, and share those moments with us well i have to say again I, I i almost have to do two because i have to go back to, to group 44 again and uh we won the last imsa race in daytona in 86 and bob and i were driving together and it was my first IMSA win in a GTP car and it was Bob's last race in an IMSA GTP car. So, mm. you know, that was pretty special as an event and, and, uh, that was great. But then the following January, we went to the 24 hour and I had, I was then driving for Al Holbert in the Lowenbrow car. And, uh, that was, you know, a fantastic race for us. It was, uh, it was a battle with, uh, Foyd and Unser Sr. and Sullivan and it was, just a real tough battle yeah and we were neck and neck the whole time and you know i think i drove uh i drove a lot of the race i think i drove there was four of us and i think i drove nine hours of it it was just a fantastic event for me you know sort of breaking through and winning the 24 hour and and i, and I really felt that i did a great job that whole night or the whole the whole 24 hours oh really gosh cooked. yeah and we were cooked i don't people don't remember this but we had broken a window out in the car and we were we were all cooked. I mean, dehydrated. I was, I was last bit in the car. I was cramping so badly. I could hardly push with a brake pedal. Of course oh. I had to because I had to stop the thing, but it was the uh, most, yeah. you can, I mean, the pain was like <laughs> incredible. Uh, I, I can't even imagine. I mean, the race itself in good conditions is intense in so many ways, but when you start adding the complexities of parts failures, car failures, body failures. <laughs> yeah. 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 That was a pretty special event for me. And, yeah. and, uh, you know, it's one I'll, I'll always remember. You know, it's funny. Race car drivers sometimes you, you, a lot of times you remember all the ones you, you should have gotten that you didn't. Right. Right. <laughs> and it's, it's sometimes it's harder to remember the ones you did get. So yeah, absolutely. But that was certainly one that I'll, I'll always, always remember. Well, congratulations to you and the team. Hard fought race that 24 hour. It's just incredible. This year's was uh once again a great spectacle and uh like right down to the bitter end oh my gosh it's poor toyota Ugh. but uh yep. go porsche yeah <laughs> <laughs> i love porsche so as my listeners know uh, how about career projects i'd love for you to share a little bit about what you're doing today in your career what are you looking forward to what has you excited and fired up Really, I, you know, I'm race director for the two race series and I've been doing that for the one, uh, the formula race promotions for about, this is my third season, I guess. Mm -hmm. 
And I got involved because my son was racing in the series and uh, um, they were looking for a race director. So I started doing that. And, and that has really been I, I was a little hesitant to do it first. You know, I'd always been a driver and I kind of looked at race officials as, you know, <laughs> necessary evil. <laughs> yeah. You know, moving. This. So so I guess I've moved over to the dark side. Yes, like you say, have. You know? And uh, <laughs> but it's been it's been challenging. I've learned an incredible amount, I, you know, as a driver. I'm not so sure I ever really understood the complexity of putting on one of these events from, from all the different logistics and people involved and, right. you know, different backgrounds and everything. And I've certainly de- developed a huge respect for that. You know, and then this year with the new SCCA Pro F4 series, I'm, I'm doing that in addition to it now. And, and mm-hmm. that's, I think, going to have a big future. And, and I know hopefully, uh, I know you're out on the West Coast and, uh, you know, I think at some point they'd love to have a West Coast series also, perhaps, in sure. the future. No plans right now, but, I, you know, the country's so big, it could certainly support two separate championships. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But, but that's been that's been good. It's great working with the young drivers, and, and that's been uh, very rewarding also. So Yeah, my uh, the day we're recording this, my guest that's on the show today here at Cars, yeah, is Tyler Kaisera, who's a champion SCCA racer, and I've had Lisa Noble. Uh, yep. Director CEO of SCCA. I've been a member for myself for many years. So great organization uh, provides a wonderful opportunities at all different levels for people to compete, be involved, be active. We're not too scared that you've gone to the dark side. <laughs> you can go to your son and give him that famous line. I am your father. Yes, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Do as I say. So, uh, very cool. Well, here's a very introspective question for you, Chip. If you were a car or better yet, a race car, which one would you be and why? Oh, gosh. I don't <laughs> I, I can't even begin to. I don't know if I can answer that question. I know. It's kind that's, of a, kind a, of an odd one, kind of a tough one. But the way I always frame this for people is it's not the car you wish you were or the car you wish you could drive. It's more of an introspective thought process of the kind of person you are. So, you know, in your case, if you're an old soul, you'd be some kind of a vintage racer. If you're you feel like you're up to date and current, maybe a race car that exists today because of technology or yeah, something along that line. Boy, it's still a tough question, sir. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not going to let I you don't. off the hook here because I can, I can see I can see you're not going to. I've let me had off the 556 <laughs> guests before you that have answered. So if I let you off the hook, I'm going to get some phone calls. <laughs> so uh, dig deep, my friend. Dig deep. You know this oh, is the last gosh. the last lap. 24 hours. You got to make it. Body's cramping up. I don't know what I. I uh, let's see. I have to think of something. Well, let's let let me help you narrow it down here. Okay, yeah, let's, help me, let's help start, me Okay, I'll, I'll help you around this. Lap. Last lap here, okay? I've got to remember I'm old now. I'm not a young driver anymore. I'm right there with you. <laughs> Open wheel or closed? Oh, well, right now I'd probably have to say closed. Okay, so we're starting to narrow it down. So closed wheel. So sports racer, prototype, or kind of stock car? If you were to say right now, yeah, I would have to say something along the lines of a Trans Am car. Ah, okay, we're getting there. Kind of uh fun to drive, uh not, you know, nowhere near as physical as a high downforce car. Mm-hmm. And probably pretty fun to drive, I imagine, even though I haven't actually driven a Trans Am car, I drove, you know, the IROC cars, which I imagine are somewhat 
similar. I imagine the Trans Am car is better than an IROC car. But compared to what I drove, they were so much more fun because you could drive them with throttle and you could just, you could play with them more. They were just more, they were just more fun. There you go. You answered it. Trans Am car. See, that wasn't hard. Now, if you ask me again tomorrow, I'll probably have a different answer. That's okay. That's okay. (laughs) So we'll talk again tomorrow. So Chip, up next is the last lap. But before we put the pedal to the metal, let's say thank you to the Cars Yeah sponsors. If you own collector cars and still have a little bit of money left over, congratulations. You're ahead of most people. But what should you do with the money you don't spend on cars? Talk to Chris Kimball, Certified Financial Planner Practitioner. For over 20 years, he's been helping people just like you and me with their financial planning and investments. And he's a car guy, too. Call 253-722-PLAN. Or you can view his website at www.chrisvkimball.com. Make sure your investments are running on all eight cylinders, or 12, or 16. Securities through Money Concepts Capital Corp. member, Finra Sipic. Okay, Chip, we are back and we're entering the last lap. And I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some very quick blips of the throttle answers. So here we go. You've raced with some pretty big racing names. Al Holbert, Derek Bell, Al Unser Jr., Ari Leyendijk, Jeff Brabham. What's the best racing advice you've ever received and who was it from? Hmm, good question. Very good question. The best racing advice I probably have ever gotten is finish the races. <laughs> and that sounds simple. Yeah. But drivers can either keep themselves out of trouble or they can get themselves in trouble on the track. And right. part of being successful is not tearing up your stuff. Sure. And that came from Bob Tullius. As the car owner, of course he wanted me to, yeah. <laughs> to finish the race. Yeah. He didn't want stuff torn up. Exactly. And, and, I, I, you know, and I had already had that kind of that attitude anyway. I mean, I think that's one of the reasons he hired me to begin with. So Great answer. Yeah, and especially endurance racing, of course, is exactly. knowing how to pace yourself and the vehicle for those long stints. So very good answer. How about a personal habit that you believe has helped contribute to your success over the years? The one personal habit that I had was determination, and, and I was I was willing to. I don't know if it's a personal habit, but I was willing to arrange my life around racing. There you go. I didn't I didn't fit racing into my life. I arranged my life around racing. <laughs> there you go. Persistence, very yeah. important in racing and in entrepreneurship for sure. How about a resource? I know there's lots of them out there, but is there one in particular that you really enjoy? You think the Car Show listeners would like as well? Yes, there is one actually. There's a there's a guy there's a by the name of Jacques Delaire who writes books. He's kind of mental skills for athletes. And he has a book out called Helping Kids Perform. And I've met Jacques first time back in the late 80s, I think, when he was just starting out working with race car drivers. And he's been doing this now for, well, since then. So he has worked with, I can't, you know, probably thousands of drivers, everybody from Arndt Senna to wow. guys who are just starting out. And he has really developed a, a very uh, uh, thorough kind of uh, analysis of, of what one of the things it takes or some of the things it takes from the mental perspective to be in competitive sports, specifically racing. So that is a great resource for, for anybody, I think, um, to take advantage of. Great. Well, listeners, you can find links to all these great resources on Chip's very on show notes page at carsyad.com slash Chip Robinson. And there's a great place on the website called Guest Recommended Books where Chip's book and the past 500 plus guest books are listed for quick, easy links to buy. All right, we are up to the checkered flag here. And this last question can be a real doozy. 
If you could have only one collector car, and I'll include collector race car, this is something vintage, something kind of fun that if you wanted to go out and take on the track or drive on a nice Sunday afternoon, that's what you do with it. But money's no object. Today, I'm going to buy you whatever car in the world exists. What would that vehicle be? And more importantly, why? Probably no surprise to anybody who's listening to this, but it would have to be the Group 44 Jaguar. I mean, mm. again, because of my history with the car and, and what they did for me and and the V12 was, I mean, there's nothing like the sound of that V12 on the racetrack. Oh, it yeah. was, it was, it was just awesome. So I, I think that's a pretty easy one for me to answer. <laughs> <laughs> very nice. Very nice. I think that's going to cost me a pretty penny, but, uh, that's okay. I'd love to see you jump in that car again and take a few laps. Well, Chip, you've taken me on an awesome ride around the track. I knew you would, and I've really enjoyed talking with you today. And I want to thank you for sharing your journey with the Cars Yow listeners. Would you offer us one parting piece of guidance before you rip off down the track in that Group 44 Jaguar? (laughs) (laughs) Well, Mark, I really really enjoyed being on the show. And I think for all the motorsports fans out there, it's uh, it's been a real honor for me. And and I hope you guys all enjoyed it and uh, do it again sometime. Absolutely. So as far as a wise parting piece of guidance for people, what would that be? Wise parting piece of guidance. You know, and I don't mean to repeat myself, but I have to go back to the do the right thing. Yeah. That says so much in so few words that Yes. I don't think I could do much better than that, to be honest. Hard to expound on that. It's pretty perfect. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. What's the best way for our listeners to learn a little bit more about what you're doing these days? Well, I don't really have a website or anything like that. I'm kind of a little bit of a private person, so there isn't much out there other than if they if they want to uh, follow the F4 series, there's certainly uh, uh, the USF4 championship, and there's a, that's on the SCCA website. Okay. There's also the other series that I'm involved with, F1600 championship website that they can go to, and uh, they can they can see some of the racing and stuff that, that uh, I'm involved with there. Perfect. Well, listeners, again, you can find links to those sites and everything else that Chip has shared with us today on his show notes page at carsyad.com. Just type Chip in the search bar, and that page will pop right up. Chip, thanks for being so generous today with your time and your expertise and for sharing your experiences with our listeners and and with me. It's been great fun. Until we talk again, I'll see you down the road. Thanks, Mark. I enjoyed it. You're welcome. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah!